think over the years, like I've definitely felt a lot of rage about the the kind of injustice of systems like patriarchy and, and colonialism, and you know, I like had to learn a bit about intersectionality and and all those different things. Purposely podcast speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Welcome to episode 86 with Andrea Brewster, Head of Sustainability and Social Impact at Explore. Explore is an education software company. Andrea is committed to the business for good principle. Our conversation is wide ranging. We cover a number of topics from her childhood to her volunteering experiences overseas. If you like what you're hearing from Purposey, share with a friend, leave a review, hit subscribe, enjoy. Andrea Brewster, kia ora, welcome to Purposely. Kia ora, it's great to be here, thanks for having me. You are the Sustainability and Social Impact Manager at Explore, what's their mission and vision? Yeah, so Explore has a really cool, uh, really cool purpose, uh, our purpose is to help people succeed and we do that by providing uh, software and payments to small business owners all around the world. And how long have you been doing that job for? I've been in my current role for around um, nine months, and prior to that, I was the internal comms and engagement manager. So I've been at Explore for coming up two years now. And a, a real focus personally on sustainability, excited about what part companies can play in a better world? Yeah, absolutely. So that's been a real driving force um, in my over my whole career, actually. So um, I like to say that my, my whole career up to this point um, and probably beyond has been really an exploration of what are the best ways that I can make an impact. Um, and so that's seen me work in lots of different spaces, which, which we can talk about. But um, yeah, I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to do this work at Explore. Um, it's a global company, so there's such a such a potential, big potential to make impact. And yeah, we uh, like many companies. It's it's a new space for us, um, and so really having the opportunity to look at what sustainable sustainability and social impact looks like for Explore, um, and to kind of introduce that for all of our people and all, all of our customers is really exciting. And so you're based in Auckland and Aotearoa. Um, How did you get the gig? Um, that's a, a great question. It's a funny story. So um, I actually, when uh, when COVID first struck, I was in a really remote mountain village in Georgia. Um, so that's Georgia, that's next door to Russia uh, in the Caucasus Mountains. I was taking some time out, um, kind of trying to do a gap year and sort of ski touring my way across uh, the Caucasus Mountains in East, into Eastern Europe. And yeah, this COVID thing kind of started kicking off and um I yeah I was in you know I was in a country where I wasn't a citizen I didn't speak the language I didn't really have a fixed plan I just had my skis and my backpack and COVID started happening and um, it became apparent that it was not really a good time to to be somewhere like that so I uh, made probably pretty much the most stressful journey of my life uh, trying to get back to New Zealand before the the borders closed um, completely. And yeah, I uh, came back in late March 2020 and um, kind of had to reassess a little bit. And yeah, I really wanted to, I'd been really wanting to go and work in a global technology business because uh, I kind of saw that as the next area that I wanted to go and explore in terms of 
making an impact and yeah just the potential for for how many people you could reach at a business like that so uh the opportunity came up to um for this role at, at explore um which was at that time called tsg um and yeah i just thought okay well i'm looking for something to do this actually sounds um very similar to what i wanted to do in europe so i said yes and i i moved to auckland um, and that was almost two years ago now. Um, I've moved to Auckland about four weeks before the August, uh, the first kind of Auckland Auckland lockdown. So yeah, it's been it's yeah. been a, a funny time to, to move to Auckland, but I, I am enjoying it now. And we um, yeah we've had a number of lockdowns, but tell us a bit. I'm, I'm kind of interested in um, the sort of horrific journey home. So did that include uh, trains, planes, and automobiles? <laughs> yes, um, it included um, a panicked phone call. Well, several panicked phone calls actually. Uh, my my younger brother was actually um, also out skiing um, in Austria, and he actually called me and said, "Hey, um, you know, I'm not sure what the situation is where you are, but um, you know, the military police have just come in and locked down our ski resort, and they're not letting anyone leave." Uh, and he he was actually kind of at one of those resorts that was a bit of a, a bit of an epicenter. And so he said to me, "Can you get to an international airport? I think you should. I think you should try and get to an airport. I'm about to basically try and drive across Europe to try and get to Heathrow. Um, if you can get to an airport, that's what you should do." So, I the first um, first stage was a um, pretty sketchy. Uh, they call it a bus in Georgia, but it's really it's it's a van kind of through these really sketchy mountain roads. Um, and then the flight that I'd booked, I think I had to wait like two days to get to get my flight. And so the whole time I was just waiting and hoping that the airport would still be open when it came time to fly out. And I just was so stressed. So I pretty much did what I what I do best and just booked myself into a, a really nice hotel um, and thought, well, if this is the end of my time in Georgia, then I'm going to go out in style. Um, and also if the world's ending, I, I might as well I might as well do it in comfort. So I booked myself into a nice room and I basically just holed up there. Love that. Um, drank the contents of the mini bar, um, <laughs> had a bath. It was the first time on this whole trip that I'd like had a, you know, a nice bathroom. So I like, had, had lots of bubble baths. Yeah, and then I, I actually, my last day in Georgia, um, I'd met a, a group of expats who actually a lot of them had decided to stay in Georgia because a lot of them were from places like Belarus and the US. So they were like, we, I think we're better off staying here. Um, and so I actually went, one of the people I'd met was a tattoo artist. So I actually went on my last day in Georgia and got a tattoo of the mountains where I'd been scared. Fantastic. So, yeah, that was yeah. a kind of a nice thing to do. And then, yeah, the, the journey home, the flights were just, um, yeah, it was apocalyptic. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. I just, I remember really clearly being on the tarmac at Doha Airport, kind of getting getting bussed out. And, you know, Doha's a, a huge, huge airport. And it was just absolute chaos. And there were people getting turned away, um, people getting pulled off off flights because they didn't have, you know, they weren't citizens. And yeah, it was it was really horrific. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the scene in the apocalypse movie where um, all the rich white people are leaving in helicopters and everyone else is getting left behind. And that's exactly what this feels like. So yeah, pretty pretty harrowing. And the whole experience made me. Uh, incredibly grateful for New Zealand. Um, incredibly lucky to be coming home to a country where, um, you know, we have a functioning democracy and a healthcare system um, and clear communication from the government. So, yeah, it's, that gave me a, a pretty unique perspective on the whole experience, I'd say. I bet. And kind of focusing on start of your 
of your life. So you're, you're not from Auckland, are you? You're from a little bit south of Auckland. I'm from Taranaki, amazing place to grow up. So yeah, it's really just idyllic. I uh, spent a lot of my childhood riding horses um, along the beaches in Taranaki. But you know, it also, I, I grew up in New Plymouth and it's, it's a small town. So I was pretty keen to get out and explore the world. I studied at, at Massey University in Palmerston North, um, another, another small town, but great place to be a student. And yeah, again, spent a lot of my, my time at uni um, riding horses and, and kind of doing, doing lots of cool stuff. And yeah, I, but I, I felt like where I really kind of came into myself was uh, my time in Otatahi Christchurch. So I moved there in 2013 after, after uni. And yeah, when I, when I moved to Christchurch, the central city cordon was still up after the earthquake. So it was a pretty different place to, to what it is now. And you, it's fair to say, like looking at all the things that you've been involved in, all the challenges you've given yourself, is you've got a real thirst to what improve yourself, experience things, kind of take life for its full. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that would definitely be fair to say. And I think, look, you know, the reason I, one of the reasons I moved to Christchurch was um, because I saw that there was all this change happening and it was a place going through an incredibly challenging time. And there's been a lot more challenging times since then as well. But I just thought, you know, there's all this physical change happening, but also all of this um, intense, you know, political and economic and social change as well. So really just huge upheaval for, you know, for an entire community. And I just thought, like, what an opportunity that is to go somewhere that's going through that kind of change that might only happen once in a generation. And what an opportunity to go and be part of that. And so that's what kind of really drew me to that space. And yeah, I think with everything I've done, I've always been attracted to doing things that where I, where I can learn a lot and where I can challenge myself and, and be exposed to new ideas. Um, and so that's also why, like, I've I had my my time working in Christchurch, um, working in the public sector on the on the earthquake rebuild, which was just incredible. And then I've been really deliberate in terms of spending some time working in government, spending some time working in uh, the nonprofit sector, and then now sort of back um, in in the corporate space. And yeah, I think just anything that you can do to get different experiences that that's going to inform your perspective. Uh, I think yeah, that that's what makes me a better human. And that that thread of you know, wanting to make the world a better place or, or be in that space where you can help people but use your skills. Where did that come from growing up? Like, what, what were the key moments? Were there certain individuals that you really drew on for inspiration? Yeah, so it's actually, um, so social impact is, it's pretty much in my blood. So my, my grandparents um, on my father's side, they moved to India when, um, with, uh, with young kids in the, six, in the early 60s to work with Tibetan refugees and this was at a time when um, the Dalai Lama was in exile in, in India and there were yeah basically a bunch of Tibetan refugees who didn't really have kind of many prospects in India and so they were really involved in kind of the early years of, of international development and one of the things that they did was um, recognise that to really be able to help people aid itself wasn't enough you actually needed to kind of give people 
the the means to create their own economic empowerment. And uh, so one of the things that they did was uh, kind of they they started a business which which actually became uh, what is now Trade Aid, New Zealand's oldest social enterprise. So uh, they were working with Tibetan refugees who were making these uh, these beautiful woolen rugs. And I have one of these original rugs at, at home actually. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, woolen woolen handicrafts and kind of recognizing that there might be a market for people who wanted to buy. Um, those kind of things in countries like New Zealand. And so they advertised for a couple of volunteers to come and help them. Another young couple from New Zealand came over. That couple was Vi and Richard Cottrell, who were the founders of, of Trade Aid. And yeah, I, I actually only found out about this family connection when, funnily enough, I was on the board of Trade Aid in Christchurch and kind of doing lots of work around educating people in the community about fair trade and yeah, learning, learning more about the, the wonderful business that is Trade Aid. And that's actually when I found out about this family connection that I had that was, you know, 40, 40 years prior yeah. um, or, or 50 years prior. And I, both my grandparents had, had passed away about 10 years before that. So, yeah, it was amazing to kind of discover this, this family connection. Yeah. And I think as well, the, the connection to places like India, I, my parents were, were really good at kind of helping us to realize that being born in New Zealand is, is a privilege and, and you've, you've won the genetic lottery just by, by living somewhere like this and, and being born into the family that you are and, and the skin color that you are um, as well. So, we went to India uh, a couple of times when I was in my teens, and particularly when I was fourteen, we went and visited one of our the the children that we'd sponsored through World Vision um, in a village in rural rural Palasa in India. And she was the same age as me. She was fourteen, and so we went and travelled to this this village. And the village put on this this like celebration, um, and we got to kind of spend the day there and and see how people live, but also see the difference that projects like World Vision were making and some of the infrastructure that they were able to put in and the fact that they were able to keep girls in school. So, yeah, that was an experience that, you know, at the time as like a 14-year-old white kid from New Zealand, um, it was really overwhelming. But actually that's kind of a pivotal moment that years later I kind of reflect on that. And I think that's that's probably an experience that's, that's had a big impact on, on certainly the, the work that I do now. And I think for me, it's about, you know, how can I use my, that privilege that I've been born into, um, how can I use that to help others? And I think that's probably been a common thread kind of for my family as well. Because you're volunteering for the YWCA and you talk about seeing girls, you know, your same age or, and the, and the conditions or the restrictions they had on their lives. What was it like for you growing up as a, as a girl in New Zealand? Like what part do you think gender has to play in career what's what's kind of been your experience and do you have a sort of determination to help other young women yeah that's a great question I mean I'm such a staunch feminist I always have been I grew up in in a pretty feminist household I think you know I in some ways didn't really realize um about I didn't really realize the kind of disadvantage that um, that women have until I really started learning about feminism um, at uni. Actually, I had an amazing lecturer, and I, I did a couple of um, of gender studies papers. And yeah, just that was kind of in the in the twenty sort of yeah late kind of 2009 2010 and yeah kind of right around the time when I guess what you could say like fourth wave feminism and, and the right the, it was before the Me Too movement and and all of that and yeah I just um 
I think over the years, like I've definitely felt a lot of a lot of rage about the the kind of injustice of um, systems like patriarchy and and colonialism, and you know, I kind of like had to learn a bit about intersectionality and and all those different things. But I guess for me, yeah, I I don't necessarily feel like my my gender has um, has been a disadvantage to me um, explicitly. But um, I also have a lot of other privileges. So, um, you know, I'm white, I'm well-educated, well-travelled, you know, I've had a a pretty comfortable kind of upbringing and that's just not the case for so many other people. And I think, like, there's there's so many systemic factors that that do disadvantage people that might not be immediately obvious. And, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely committed to doing what we can to to help other people. So I think when it comes to organisations like the YWCA, um, like their mission is really to empower young women, and so that's uh, women under 25. And particularly the, the work that I'm doing at the moment with the Young Women's Fund, that is about funding young women to have uh, transformational professional development experiences, particularly in, in that early phase of their career. And, you know, again, like I've been really privileged to have a few experiences, particularly early in my career, that really opened a lot of doors for me professionally and also created space for me to develop my self-awareness and to um, learn a whole lot of skills that, that have been really useful to me and that have helped me to get ahead. And whether that's, you know, like a leadership development course or a conference or a professional certification but actually not everyone has access to those opportunities whether that's because they're not in um, the kind of employment that will that will allow them or, or pay for them to to do those things or, or a number of other factors so what we're really trying to do with the young women's fund is specifically target those young women under 25 and we we also want to have a focus on Māori and Pacifica and migrant uh, women and then how can we just give some cash directly to them so that they can go and have those transformational experiences yeah so that's something that I'm really excited about at the moment and yeah I think sometimes you know it can feel overwhelming like there's just so much that we have to do and you know you look at all of the stats around like the gender pay gap and, and things like that and there's just so far to go and I think it can feel really overwhelming mm. but I've really tried to just focus on okay what's one thing that I can do and I'm just going to try and do that one thing really well and then um, if that goes well then I'll try and do another thing and hopefully that inspires other people to to do one thing as well yeah um so yeah that's kind of part of the reason why I've, I've always done volunteering work yeah and you you know you're prolific which is wonderful and and you know, you are providing leadership and I think removing barriers for young women to to be the best they could be is, is a wonderful uh, mission. Um, in terms of, you know, like real strong thread throughout your career or recent career around entrepreneurialism and belief in sort of small, potentially tech companies, um, tell me about Startmate because um, that, that looks fascinating. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, huge shout out to Startmate. Uh, they're doing some awesome work in strengthening the Australia and New Zealand um, kind of early stage startup ecosystem and a whole host of other amazing players as well. So I guess, like I said, when I was in Christchurch, um, particularly after the earthquakes, there was kind of a real surge of creativity, um, entrepreneurialism, people kind of doing things differently and organisations like um, the Ministry of Awesome, which supports early stage startups, um, were kind of popping up and there was just a lot of energy about like 
giving things a go and and doing something new. And so I um, had the opportunity to be exposed to quite a few kind of early stage startups um, around that time. Um, and through, you know, programs like Ministry of Awesome, Lightning Lab, the, the UC Centre for Entrepreneurship, which has produced some incredible businesses. And I just have always been so inspired by people who are willing to take a big risk and go, you know what, I've got this really cool idea and I think it could, I really think it could work. And I'm going to put everything into just trying to make it work I find that super inspiring for me personally I I don't consider myself necessarily an ideator so I get really inspired by other people's ideas and then I want to help them make make that happen so mm. how can we actually take this from an idea to um, you know a, a functioning business and also how can we make sure that we're looking after the people who who take those risks and because you know those are the people who are solving some of our big um, social issues so how can we make sure that we're supporting people who, who want to take those risks? So, yeah, I've kind of always had that interest. Um, I did also start my own business um, a couple of years back, um, a consultancy called Brewster and Associates, and had a lot of fun with that and, and really kind of, um, yeah, that kind of really opened my eyes to the possibility of, of running my own business as well. And Did it feel like you? Did that start your own business? Was <laughs> that a co- comfortable place to be or was that super challenging and you're quite glad to stop it (laughs) yeah no it was great I I loved it um I particularly really loved the freedom that came with it and running your own business means like you constantly are in business development and sales mode so that means you've got to be out and like you know writing articles and and being on podcasts and and kind of like putting yourself out there and you know I (laughs) I love that you say I'm prolific. Um, I try to be. So that was kind of, that kind of suited me quite well. And I think also when you're not attached to like a particular company, like you're not, you're representing yourself, you know, you kind of have a little bit more freedom to, um, to, I'm pretty forthright about, about my opinions on, on various things. And so I think like when you're not, yeah, when, when you're kind of doing your own thing, you can be, um, a prop, you know, potentially a little bit more frank with some of that. Yeah. Um, so I really loved it, but you know, it is hard. Like you are constantly thinking about cash flow and where's the next thing coming from and you have to put a lot of energy into it. And so for me, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'd never close the door on going back to that. I think, um, you know, that's, and if you, if you look at the way that the future of work is going with, you know, gig work and freelancing and portfolio careers, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely the way that a lot of people are going. Yeah. So yeah, I loved it. But I think just kind of talking about the pandemic and um, the last couple of years with a lot of uncertainty and that kind of thing, it's, it's been a really good time to be employed by someone else. Um, and so I'm really grateful to have those opportunities as well. And from that start, mate, experience is there a company that you're blown away by is there an individual is there someone that you know is about to smash it is this is there something that you kind of always draw inspiration from that you came across during that period in and around the incubator yeah so um the the program that i'm doing um, right now with startmate is called first believers um and so that is about uh, angel investing so getting in um, and supporting some of these early stage founders and investing in some of the, in these businesses and kind of helping them to get to the point where maybe then they're going to raise capital from, um, you know, your venture capital funds or, or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, I, I love that, that concept of being um, a first believer, like being the first person who, who says, hey, I believe in what you're doing. I want you to keep going and I want to help you. And how can I, how can I add value and how can I, 
how can I support you? So that that really, really resonates with me. And um, I'm, I'm learning a lot on the program. There's a lot of amazing people that are part of the cohort as well. Like um, everyone from startup founders to, um, you know, operators to uh, people from, from corporate backgrounds, like like all sorts. Um, and a lot, a lot of people who are, who are already quite prolific um, kind of in the investing space. So, yeah, that's been really cool. Um, I We recently, Startmate runs um, an accelerator and um, their, their kind of most recent cohort has, has just finished. And, yeah, I've had the opportunity to see the, the, the pictures and, and kind of what those companies have, have come through. And I'm just really impressed, like, in general with, with the caliber of businesses that that people are developing. Particularly, I'm really encouraged to see a lot of uh, New Zealand startups kind of starting to appear in these in these trans-Tasman and, and international accelerators. Yeah, I think, like, there's also a lot of young people who have a really strong um, social consciousness, like, you know, starting businesses that have a real clear purpose behind them. And that really inspires me because those are the kind of businesses that I want to invest in. Like I really want to, yeah, I, I really want to see social impact and environmental impact. So that's that's what I'm very focused on. I, I think that's right because, um, you know, feeling very positive about the future when I, you know, I see a relatively young person with an idea, a laptop, they've got belief. Um, and then not only do they want to make profit or make money actually they're more driven by you know um solving environmental issues and social issues yeah. as well. like, and that seems you know it, it almost every week i'm meeting someone who fits that description my my big concern i guess is that new zealand doesn't have the, the kind of environment or system or funding to keep those young people but from what you've described there is things going on which yeah, is great absolutely i mean um yeah, I guess if you're listening to this, I would just a, a shameless plug. If you're listening to this podcast and you are, you know, an early stage founder and you're in that kind of, um, particularly if you're in that social and environmental impact space, then I'd love to. I'd love to talk to you. So you can you can find me on on LinkedIn. But yeah, I think we, there's a lot more that we that we can do to to support founders. I mean, there are some amazing programs. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going down to Christchurch for the Electrify Aotearoa uh, conference. Um, and it's being run by uh, the Ministry of Awesome. And they are also running um, an accelerator called the Electrify Accelerator for women and non-binary uh, founders. So I think like, th- I get really excited by things like that, where we're kind of deliberately targeting a group that historically, you know, hasn't attracted as much um, investment and kind of, you know, ne- needs that real targeted support and saying, we know that there's really talented uh, women and, and non-binary folk out there who are starting these businesses and we really want to support them. Um, that is the kind of thing that makes me really happy. And yeah, yeah I think it's exciting. I think there's there's a lot happening and uh, I'm I'm super keen to to be involved in that. Yeah, great. And just a few quick fire questions before we wrap up, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Favourite book or book you're reading at the moment? What do you want to shout out about? I guess, uh, but well, book that's um, had a big impact on me, um, Sapiens. I, I can't recommend that one enough. But what I'm reading at the moment is Theory You by Otto Sharma. 
Um, so he's a, a German um, social researcher, and that is basically all about how we solve these big social issues like climate change um, through a lens of, you know, the, the, the real internal development that we need to do. So that was really inspired by my time on Leadership New Zealand. Yeah, what are those kind of skills and capacities and, and what's the lens that we need to see the world through if we want to make change? Theory U by Otto Sharma. Wonderful. Uh, lunch with someone did a live that you would love to happen today, tomorrow? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let me think about that. You know what? I actually get a lot of inspiration from just my peers and the people around me and fortunate to have a lot of friends who are doing amazing, amazing work. But I would say Michelle Obama. I think she's just such an, such an incredible example of, um, yeah, a really strong female leader who is doing incredible work and I think I really admire the way that she's the, the platform that she's created for herself yeah that's that's my pick wonderful and how do you attack your week what systems do you have like what are your do you how do you get your inspiration weekly and how to stay motivated are there any sort of life hacks that you can <laughs> you know share with the audience yeah, um I, I mean, it would be great if it was as easy as uh, life hacks. <laughs> I think, you know, um, I, again, shout out to, to Leadership New Zealand, which um, which really kind of um, was was one of those experiences that was really transformative for me. I, something that I'm really into is the power of, of rituals. Um, you know, it's about the kind of small things that you do each day. So really kind of trying to create structure and certainty within your life. I try and... Um, yeah, really, really kind of focus on rituals. So for me, um, things like uh, physical exercise are really important. Um, getting out in nature is really important and having social time. I actually plan out my week visually on a, on a whiteboard um, and kind of make sure that I've got a mix of different things happening. So if I've got a really big work day, then I make sure that I'm, I've also got some kind of downtime to recover from that. I make sure that I've got sort of time with my partner, time with friends, you know, time at home, um, and just kind of make sure that I'm not just spending every day kind of um, jam-packed with lots of things. I explore his uh, awesome flexible working. So I work from um, actually a co-working space which um, uh, with a friend's business called The Urban Advisory. And um, that's great because I get to be around people who are working on really big um, challenging problems and also are really creative and I get to kind of see other humans. And then I also do things like block out meeting free days so that I've got time to really do you know that that kind of deep thinking so yeah still still working on it and you know I think it's a it's a challenge for all of us right like how yeah. do you you've only got a limited amount of capacity and there's so much uh, that needs to happen how do you how do you do that but yeah I think just being disciplined about rituals and and how you spend your time and energy um and having a having a really supportive partner helps as well <laughs> mm. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Andrew Brewster, massive thank you for joining me on Purposely and um, good luck with the future and we'll um, stay connected. Thank you so much. It's, it's been great to be on and um, I really, really love your work. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing because I sure do. 